Well, 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 good morning once again. How many of y'all are excited that you came to church today? Come on, I sure, sure am. And here we are, part two of a three-part series entitled The Way, The Truth, and The Life, what Jesus said in John 14, verse 6. He did say that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody gets to the Father except through him. How many of y'all believe that verse right there? We sang it earlier. I believe it with all of my heart. We're going to take this apart today and, and really dig down and look at the truth. You know, what is the truth? Before I get rolling with the word of God this morning, I want to um, just thank all of those who served last night. We had a big celebration last night. It was so, so cool. Um, we had a, um, an ordination service officially recognizing uh, Eric uh, as, as an associate pastor here at Murraysville. So, so excited about that. Awesome celebration. And... Um, and that was, that was really, really good. But I'm going to tell you, there were like, like, I don't know how many dozens of people it took to pull off the smorgasbord of hors d'oeuvres. I mean, if you missed it, man, you missed a lot. I'm telling you. Um, if you had something to do with that last night, all the ladies and men that served last night, you served. Could you just raise your hand? Raise your hand. Can we just thank everybody that served? Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. You guys did an awesome job. Um, and um, I'm telling you, it was one of those events. I got to the back hallway and it was looked so beautifully and it was so well presented. I said, you know what? If I was looking for a church, I think I just found one. Come on. That's what I said to myself. I said, I think I just found myself a church. It was, it was, it was done with excellence and a great value. And so thank you, thank you, thank you. You know, here we are. We're jumping into... Um, the way, the truth, and the life. And I'm going to be honest, like, like last week's message on the way and this week truth and, and next week, these messages aren't real like sexy or cool. They aren't real like, oh, wow, that just is like so encouraging. It can almost be a little bit cerebral, but, but I want to speak to your heart because the word of God is going to transform your heart today. No, the word of God is going to transform your heart. It's going to transform your mind and you're going to think differently. But we need to think differently according to the truth, not just think differently because we can think differently. See, so I'm going to urge you, you need to, um, if you didn't come prepared to take notes, you're probably going to want to take a few notes or get your camera out. You can take um, a picture of the screens because I want you to get this word. I'm telling you, it, I, and I said it already once today. I'm going to say it again. There's a battle um, for the heart and soul of Jesus's church. There really is. We're in a cultural battle right now. And, um, and when we get into conversations with people, I want to equip you, and I would just don't just want you to feel good. I want to equip you to handle some conversations. Can, can, is that good? You want to equip today? Yes. Uh, okay. And so the first thing I want to do is I want to help you learn to have a, the, the right conversation. And, and when we have conversations with people about the Word of God, there's different ways we have conversations. And I liken it to tennis courts. And I'm not the first person to come up with this illustration, but I'm going to use the illustration because when I have a, a good illustration, I'm going to use it, okay? And so there's four tennis courts. And I've learned... I hear music. I'm not, I'm not the only one. Okay, good. I thought, oh, Lord, I... I thought like, I was going to be still. I'm just going to like, <laughs> speak, Lord. <laughs> Your servant listens. <laughs> and uh, it was good. I liked it, actually. It was good. Um, 
Um, I, I like a little more organ. Uh, get, get me, put my preach on. And um, so there's four tennis courts. And what I learned in playing tennis, number one, is if you're going to have, a, you're going to play tennis, you got to play on the same court that your opponent's playing on. <laughs> That's really deep. You ought to write that down. So court number one, there's doctrine. What does the Bible clearly say? In, in, if you're going to have a conversation about what does the Bible really say, you need to make sure you're talking about doctrine. That's the first court that we talk about. The next court over is personal conviction. The easiest illustration I have of personal conviction is this. Personal conviction is, how about we take the mask issue right now? There's per people who say that they have a personal conviction that we should all wear masks. There's other people that say, if you wear a mask, you know, you, you, you don't have any faith, and it's wrong. Nowhere in the Bible does it clearly say whether you should wear a mask or not. Okay? Now, I personally believe that Christians have been wearing masks for years, but that's just my personal opinion. But there's a, there's a conviction of what you believe. That's your personal conviction. You, so again, the Bible maybe supports it. You can each find different verses for it, but that's your conviction. The next tennis court is, is basically how you feel about it. It's your experience. Well, I know that the Bible says it, but I feel that. See, if you're, gonna, if you're gonna have a conversation, you have to get on the same court. And many times, we're trying to have a doctrinal discussion with people, but they're dealing with three courts over, and they're talking about how they feel and their personal experience. I know some Christians who, fill in the blank. That's how they feel about that. I know a church that said, and so they, they say, all Christians, therefore. Well, that's not doctrine. That's over on the third court. Oh, you want to talk about how you feel. Okay, let's talk about how you feel. Let's talk about your personal experience. And many times we're trying to have doctrine conversations, and we twist them into con uh, personal convictions, and then we, then we put them in you know, the, the, the next one, which is, which is basically you know, how you perceive your experience, but then the last one is community standard. This is how we do it at Bridge City Church, or this is how we do it at our church. It's not a doctrine, it's just how we do it. And what I'm trying to give you is a standard by which to have conversations, because many times we're trying to have conversations, or we're trying to present something, but we're playing on the wrong court with somebody. We're saying the Bible clearly says this, but they're saying, but I don't, I don't like that. I don't feel like that's, that, that's valid. Oh, okay, let's go over on the third court and let's tell you, let's talk about how you feel. But let's not confuse it with what the Bible says. You see, we have different ways we need to have conversations. Like right now, our community standard is wear a mask in and out and around about. I, like, listen, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't like it. But I told you before, I'd wear a hazmat suit every day of my life if I thought people would come to Christ. But otherwise, people would look at me and just say, you're weird, and so I'm not going to do that. No, you see, like, that's a community standard. We're not saying that's a doctrine. We're just saying right now that's a community standard. Community standard is going to change. Somebody say glory, hallelujah, come on. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Okay, listen, and people say, well, I don't like it. I don't like a lot of things too. But, but let's not confuse doctrine with your personal conviction to, to your personal experience to the community standard. Does that help you right there? 
See, because I want to I dive into the Bible and I want to communicate some things about truth to you today. But unfortunately, many people have not been transformed by the power of God. And my God is a transforming God that wants to change every part of my life. But if I don't base it on truth, I'm just doing behavior modification, trying to become a better me. I don't need to be a better me. I need to become a brand new me. Because the one Jesus is fashioning in me is a lot better than just a better me. See, many people are just trying to become a better person. I'm not trying to become a better person. I'm trying to become renewed into the image of God. I am not going to, trans, I am not going to bring God into, in, down to my standard and, and conform him into my image. I want to be transformed into his image. You with me? Okay, before I get to John 14, I just want to give you a couple verses here in Matthew 16. Matthew 16, here we go. Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi. He asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and some others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Then he asked them a question, but who do you say that I am? See, there are a lot of some sayers out there. Some say this, and some say that, and some this, and some that. Have you, have you ever heard the some sayers? Some say this about this, and some say that, some say this. Listen, there's a lot of some sayers. But Jesus, Jesus, I believe, took them outside of Jerusalem, outside of the confines of the religious community, took them 25 miles north of Galilee into a place that was filled with false gods and all kinds of shrines dedicated to Caesar and the god of nature and, and, and sex goddesses and all this other stuff. Why did Jesus take them to there to ask them, who do people say that I am? I, this is my personal belief. I'm giving you a belief now. I don't, I, I don't know, but I believe personally what I see is this, is that Jesus took them to a place of darkness where other world religions were being magnified. So there, in that backdrop, it would be very clear, who do you say that I am? See, rather than try to fit in, what I believe Jesus was trying to make was a contrast. He was trying to say there's two different worlds that we're a part of right here. And he took them specifically to a place where it was filled with all kinds of craziness. And it's there. And in the midst of our craziness in 2021, right here in the United States of America, in the backdrop of our culture right now, I believe Jesus is saying, who do you say that I am? And the answer to that is how Jesus builds his church, which the church is the pillar and foundation of truth. That's what the church is. So who do you say that I am? See, we live, we live in a world right now where the church is trying to be culturally relevant, politically correct. And we're being marked, Christians are being marked by every label possible. And now is the time, I believe, I mean, there's always a time to know what we believe. But church, we need to know what we believe. We need to know truth. Is there such a thing as truth? And who do you say that Jesus really is? What is the verdict here? What do we believe foundations are necessary? Let's jump back to John 
chapter 14. And, and Pastor Eric spoke of this last week. He led you all through the way. I'm going to pick it up with the truth here. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one. How many people? can come to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would have known who my Father is. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Truth. That's what truth is. It's true to fact. It's reality. When Jesus said truth, he was saying it's the opposite of an illusion. See, it's the opposite of an illusion. He's saying, I am the reality. I am the truth. I am the basis here. There's a standard here that, all, that, you, that you need to understand. And nobody, nobody, nobody gets to the Father except through Jesus Christ and what he has done on the cross. It's a free gift. You receive it by faith, through grace, not that of yourself. You can't be good enough to earn it. It's Jesus Christ and what he provide. This is truth. Let's go on. Verse 8. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. Hmm. Jesus said to him. Now, I'm going to give you the way I think Jesus would have said it. And then uh, just if he said it, like if I was Jesus, this is what I would have done. Philip says, you know, to me, show us the Father, and it's enough for us. And if I was Jesus, it would have been, really? Are you serious? Three years. Three years I've been with you. Are you serious? How long must I be with you before you get it? That's the dad in me coming out. <laughs> come on. How many of y'all, how many of y'all relate to that part of Jesus right there? Come on. I, yeah. Come on. <laughs> now, Jesus is much better than me. Somebody say glory. <laughs> come on. Somebody say hallelujah. <laughs> come on. Now, I, I, I don't believe Jesus said it that way. But if I was Jesus, that's what I would have said, right? Because I just I'd have been frustrated. Are you serious? I'm about to die for you, and this is what I get, more questions? If you look all through John chapter 14, there's all these questions. I love the disciples' questions in John 14. Read it. Read the whole thing. It's, it's, Jesus isn't afraid of questions. You just got to be ready for the answer. See, Jesus doesn't sweat your questions. You better sweat his answers. Y'all with me? Yeah, he doesn't like, oh, I don't want to question God. Go ahead and question him. I do. God's, why is this? Why is that? And times, like, he gives me answers, and times he doesn't. But in this moment, Jesus is like, listen, man, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. See, truth is verifiable and reasonable. Many people want to tell you that your Christian faith is unreasonable and it's unverifiable. That is not true. Historically, it's true. But even more than historical, it's a spiritual fact. It's a spiritual basis by which we believe and we center our lives on this. And there's a war going on telling you you can't, you, well, there's two different gods. There's the God of the Old Testament and then the God of the New Testament. Ah, there's just, there, there's just one God. Well, there's the mean God in the Old Testament. 
And then there's this loving God. There's Jesus with the lammies. In the New Testament, right? I mean, that's what everybody says. There's the mean God. No, he's mean. He's smiting people and killing people. In the New Testament, Jesus just has the lammy. He's just a lammy. He's just petting the lammy all the time. (laughs) No, it's one God. It's one God. Even in Exodus 34, filled with love and kindness and long-suffering, it's the same God all the way through that did everything to win you back to Christ, to win you back to the Father. That's what this whole deal is about. It's to win you. It's all about redeeming you and seeing your whole life transformed by the power of God. Do you know that this word speaks to every question you could have? This word speaks about taxes. Oh, it speaks about everything. It speaks about immigration. It speaks about abortion. This speaks to everything in our culture right now. It speaks about marriage. It speaks about parenting. It speaks about what to do with your money. As a matter of fact, there's more verses in here about your money than there are love. Huh? I guess Jesus knew what was going to be on your heart. No, I'm serious. It speaks to it all. And it gives us a truth by which we can have a foundation. And so Jesus goes on in verse 10. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Jesus now, he switches from speaking only to Philip, and he switches into the plural, not singular, and he's speaking to what I believe is us here over 2,000 years later, saying it's not only up to Philip to believe, but he's asking all of us to believe that the Father was in Jesus, and Jesus is in the Father, and when we see Jesus, we see the Father. You say, Pastor, how is this going to affect me on Wednesday? I'm going to get to that. No, because this affects our entire life here. See, two solid truths Jesus gave us to believe. His person, his person, his, his word, he said, believe my word. And if you don't believe that, believe my works. He, basically, it's like this. You can, you, you can believe me, and let me put it a different way for you here. You can believe Jesus' deity, doctrines, and deeds. All three line up, his deity being his personhood, his words, his teaching, and his works all line up. Do you know what the world's waiting for for, for you and me? We know what they're waiting for? They're waiting for who we really are in Christ and our words and our works to line up. That's what they're really waiting for. They're waiting for the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ to be presented. And there's people in this room that you have given up that you can represent Jesus. You have given up that that's for the holy people and this is you. You need to get that thinking out, get it out, because that's not the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can know who you are. You have a worth based on what was paid for you, the price of Jesus Christ's life. So he creates in you the worth, and then your words based on these words, and then these words and your works begin to line up, people take notice. That's what they're waiting for, is all these things to line up here. Do you know what the problem is? Is we're all struggling with truth. 
In John 18, there's a good example of how we struggle with truth. Here's Jesus before Pontius Pilate, and he says, my kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. If it were, my followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders. But my kingdom is not of this world. Pilate says, so you are a king? He's on trial. He's about to be crucified here. Jesus responded, you say I am a king. Actually, I was born and came into the world to testify to the to the all who love the recognize what I say is true. So Pilate asked a question. What did he say? What is what is truth? He asked a real question. What is truth? What what, what is truth? What are we going to believe here? It's the same question you and I are asking. What is truth? What is truth? How do we know it? How do we know truth? How do we know what's going on here? Isn't it? It's really interesting in this text that that Jesus never answers the question about what is truth. All he said was, I know why I came into the world. Because I believe personally it was going to take his death, burial, resurrection, witness of other people, and ascension into heaven to testify of the truth. That's what I believe. That's why the resurrection is so important. So Jesus is the truth. Here's three things. Jesus is the truth. It's a full expression of God. See, this is true. Jesus is the full expression of God. How many of y'all believe that truth? Anybody believe that truth? How many of you have ever struggled with that truth? Come on. Now, the standard by which all other truth is measured. I want you to think about that. Is Jesus the standard by which all other truth is measured? And Jesus is the truth means the foundation by which we live our lives. Now, seriously, that, 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 that's a game changer right there. That right there is a game changer. Because it, it says now there's a standard. And we live in a culture that doesn't want standards. Don't judge. How about we not judge? How about we just discern according to the word of God? The spiritual man discerns all things. I'm not saying condemn. I'm not, we shouldn't condemn people. Jesus, you know, thank God for the cross. Or else I'd be condemned. Right? But so let's look at what truth is not. What truth is not? Truth is not what makes you feel good. No, I want you to catch this. You, listen, many people here, you're just saying, I'm like, I know this stuff. Okay, I accept it. And, and, and wait a minute, you, this will change your life. Truth is not defined by what is intended. Sincerity. Truth is not what the majority says is true. This is, this, this is game changer stuff for your faith. Because we're in a culture that wants us to believe these things rather than the word of God. And we live in a culture right now that is based on moral relativism. That means everything is relative to my situation. You don't know what I'm going through. My word of God states very clearly Jesus went through it all and he knows. Are you with me? My God knows. So we live in a culture right now that is all about your situation and what your experience tells you and how I feel 
trumps what's in the word of God. But we can say we have truth. In John 17, 17, Jesus' red letters, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Sanctify means to be set apart from the world and set apart for God. Truth, we already covered. True to fact. It's a reality. It's not an illusion. The word is the written expression of the Bible. So therefore, what I believe Jesus is saying, he's praying to the Father, saying, sanctify them by the truth. And I believe that one of the reasons we do not have more sanctification in Jesus' church is because we have a lack of the word of God in Jesus' church. But when this word is the mirror, this word is the standard. But you know what I find so much in church? I say very clear things that are doctrinally. I'm on the right tennis court saying, saying, look, look, man, adultery is wrong. Fornication is wrong. But I have people, well-meaning people, that have been in the church for, for, for 10, 15, 20, 25 years, say, but I don't really feel like that's appropriate for today. See, you're playing on the wrong court. Now you just want to know what you feel. See, what you feel and the doctrine of God are two separate things. And you need to discern the two. Do we really believe in the truth of the word of God? Is there such a thing as an absolute here? Because the problem is, is we're spending so much of our time trying to fit Jesus into our image rather than where we be transformed into his image. Truth. Heaven and hell are real places. No, if you believe that, it changes a lot of things. It really does. And we get confused about truth. Now, listen, I, I traveled this last week. I was I traveled, I had four flights this past week um, traveling, and I, when I, as I got on the, the, the plane, and I, 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 always, I always glance in the cockpit when I get on a plane. I don't know if you do. I always just want to get a glimpse of the person in there. Is anybody like me? It just, it just makes me feel good that there's somebody in there, okay? I just maybe just, okay? I, don't, I want to make sure it's not on autopilot. Are you? <laughs> and, and so when I got on that plane, I didn't want a sincere, nice pilot. I wanted one that was right. I didn't really care how nice they were. As a matter of fact, they could have actually used bad words as long as they know how to fly that plane. Are you with me? See, I, and I didn't care if they were nice or sincere I didn't care if they shook my, oh, thank you. For, thank you so much for coming. Please be seated. That wasn't their job. Their job was to get it right. But we confuse in our culture and our society sincerity with being right. I had somebody do, do my taxes. I didn't want a sincere person. I wanted somebody to do it right. If they have both of those, ah, I'm good. And they did. See, when you go to the pharmacist, do you want a sincere pharmacist or do you want somebody to get it right? But we confuse this in our culture all the time. We're confusing sincerity with getting it right. 
And we got to have a truth that's based on something here. Why is truth necessary? Truth is necessary because without it, you become God. Without it, the culture tells you what truth is and it keeps changing. The people around you will dictate your truth, not the word of God. See, these are game changers. And many of you are looking at me like, really? I like this service up till now. Come on, you gotta stay with me. No, no, I'm, I'm serious. Listen, there's so much at stake. There is so much at stake in Jesus' church right now. I can't begin to explain to you what's going on. But we need to totally realize that everything else will dictate to us what truth is without the truth. And, and it just all becomes relative unless we have the word of God. And we become our own God, determining what, what's right and wrong. When I stand before God and get to heaven, I don't believe I'm going to be judged on my intentions and my sincerity. I'm going to be judged according to what I did and didn't do. That's what Matthew 25 says. According to what I believe. What you believe produces actions. That's why truth is necessary. And truth gives you an intolerant perspective. Truth gives you an absolute. Jesus was intolerant. He was intolerant that people were going to hell. I'm really thankful for his intolerance. Winston Churchill was intolerant. He was intolerant that the Nazis in Germany were killing Jews. Martin Luther King was intolerant over racism. See, it produces, an, it produces a truth, it produces an action, but it must be based on a truth. So what are we going to do with that? I want to give you one more. You, you, y'all tracking me good here today? Y'all good? Let's go to John 1.14. John 1.14. And so the word, the word, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of what? Grace and truth. Everybody say that, those, those three words you get. Grace, grace and truth. Jesus was full of both of those. But in our culture, in our society, we are infatuated with God is love and God loves everybody, which is absolutely true. Am I right? And we, as believers in Christ, we love everybody. I didn't get the strong amen there, but... Right? How many of y'all are working on that one? Come on. Yeah, as believers in Christ, we have to, we're to love everybody. But let me tell you this. Truth without grace is mean and leads to legalism. But grace without truth is meaningless and leads to emotionalism. They're not, they don't contradict one another. They complement one another. Truth and grace. Truth and grace. Now, I know some people that love truth. They love to tell it like it is. Pastor, I'm a tell it like it is person. They scare me. 
They do. They scare me. Because I just want to tell you like it is. But we're supposed to have both of these, truth and grace. Grace empowers you to see you to change. Jesus had both of those. Leave this up here for just a second, please. In, in, in John 8, I'm not going to read it to you. John 8, 1 through 8, write it down, write it down, write it down. Write it down. Write it down. Read it. It's a, it's a great example of truth and grace. It's, 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 it's a woman caught in adultery. Jesus says, I don't condemn you. But he doesn't let her off the hook. He doesn't say, hey, if you could just get that adultery thing down to twice a week, it would be good. <laughs> like, if you could just, you know, if you could just try, uh, you know, twice a week, maybe we'll go to once a week. You never know. <laughs> no, the truth is, is you're, li- you're living with all these guys and the one you're living with right now, you're not married to. Truth. Grace, go and sin no more. You gotta have both. Truth and grace. That's what Jesus had. So we do need a reality, but we need grace to empower one another to get out of our stuff. Because how many of you all know when you come, just because you go to church, you bring all your stuff with you? But we need the transforming power of the Word of God to change our mindsets, change our belief systems so that we can get free of our stuff. Are you with me? That's, that's how we experience him. These two things go together. So how do we experience truth and grace? Come on, how do you experience truth and grace? First of all, in conversion to Christ. You cannot get converted to Christ. Notice I said converted. Jesus doesn't want you just to believe in him. He wants to convert our lives from darkness to light, dead to living. You got it. Truth, you're a sinner. There's no hope for you. Like, Conley, beautiful. I, I love the picture. I, I, I enjoyed every, every moment of seeing him. The other night we spent time together, um, Conley Child. But, but there's going to come a moment when, we, when, when parents have to say, Conley, you're cute, but you're a sinner. And Colin's going to need a savior. Going to have to be converted to Christ. Conversion from death to life. That's how we experience confession of our sin. I have sinned. I have. I. We confess our sins one to another. That's what the Bible says. No, I'm serious. If we confess our sins one to another and we experience truth and grace, you're right, you messed up. Grace, let's empower you and pray for you and release you from that thing. But you gotta have confession first. If you don't have confession, you can't get real grace. It's just love and it's meaningless and it's emotional and we can cry together, but it doesn't work. And then we have conversations one to another in which we exchange truth and grace. And then we come to church, which is the pillar and the foundation of truth and grace. Of truth, that's what we are. And that's, that's at 1 Timothy 3. Then we go to connection group. In connection group, just like church, we experience truth and grace. It's everywhere. But we have to love truth. And we love everybody. 
Do you know that Christianity, Christianity got in trouble because they embraced and accepted men and women, Jew and Gentile, slave and free. But that doesn't mean they, everybody stayed there. When you got converted to Christ and he became the truth, everybody was welcome in. But unless Jesus Christ is the truth, we have a pluralism which says there's a lot of different ways to God. And all religions are equal. All religions are not equal. We have an absolute truth. Jesus Christ. He's the standard of which we build our lives. Why do we go to why do we come here on a Sunday morning? Because we believe in the truth of Jesus Christ. And we believe that we're better together. We believe that together we can make a difference in this world based on truth and grace. And we can take this truth with us. And we can be known for more than just truth. We're known for truth and grace, or more than just grace, grace, grace. No, empower, empower, empower. This is a game changer. So do we, everybody that confesses Jesus Christ as the only way to the Father, and transfers your trust that you were a sinner and you confess, I'm a sinner. I've missed a mark. I've I, 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 I've, I've messed up. Jesus Christ, I ask you to forgive me of my past and now I want you to lead me. Forgive me, God, and I want you to lead me into my future. You are in charge. You are the Lord. You are the one. And you're converted to Christ, to that belief system. Everybody's welcome to partake of Jesus Christ. That should excite us. But just we but it doesn't mean we accept every bit of crazy whim that goes out there. Because we have a truth. So in times of uncertainty, focus on what is clear. What do you know? What do you know? See, truth defines how I live. Truth defines the standard of my life. It's not perfection, it's truth and grace. I'm empowered by truth. and I'm empowered through relationships. I'm empowered by the Holy Spirit. Truth now defines our absolutes. And there is such a thing as absolutes. Without it, we all become our own God. And we're living in a culture and society that's filled with people that are just their own God right now. Are you experiencing the same culture I am? No, really, are you experiencing this? So we say, no, 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 no. Parents out there, there's a standard. There's a standard. There's a standard in our home. There's a, this is the way we, we do it here. My friends, they don't do it this way. I don't know why they don't get, they don't have to go to youth group and church. You don't live with them. Right? You don't. 
No, no, see, that all, this goes many ways. How you spend your money, how, how, you, how you treat one another in your home, how you treat men, how you treat women, how you treat people. It, this is the standard here. Jesus is that standard. But the world in our culture has tortured us into saying that truth is narrow-minded and it confines you and it puts you in a box. Let me read to you. This will be the last verses I read to you here. Jesus said to the people in John chapter 8 who believed in him. Is there anybody here who believes in him? Come on, is there anybody here who believes in him? Then Jesus is speaking to you today. And this is what I believe he's saying. You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my, faithful to my, and you will know the, and the, shall make you, oh, yeah. Oh, it just got good. Oh, now you're happy you stayed. Because it's about to get good in here. See, the truth sets me free. I was a sinner. I was a selfish, arrogant, insecure person. But God, in what Jesus Christ did for me, the truth has set me free from that person, and I'm not that person anymore. See, I'm not a coper. I'm not a maintainer. I'm not just trying to hold on. My God set me free. No, that, that, that statement deserved a little bit better. No, see, see, you, see, this is what we're struggling with. And there's days I confess even out loud over and over and over as many as are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. And God has not given me a spirit in, of, of slavery and bondage, but he's given me a spirit by which I cry out, Abba, Father. And I reach up to my daddy in heaven. And I know that he hears me. And I know that he's changing me. And I know that he's transforming me. And yes, I get tormented. And yes, I have mindsets. And yes, I have things that still need to be dealt with. Of, oh God, what about this? And God, what about that? Oh, I still got sleepless nights, but God is setting me free. See, that's the truth of the Word of God. And I'm going to keep quoting it, and I'm going to keep quoting it, and I'm going to keep saying it out loud. I'm going to keep saying it out loud because this is the truth that sets me free. And what God has done for me, He can do for you. See, we got to get out of this, out of this coping mentality. Jesus' church is just trying to cope right now. We're trying to hold on. We're trying to like outlast the, the, the devil. I'm telling you this, when, 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 the, when the sky opens and the white horse, and trust me, if you're here, you'll know it. I'm holding on. And if I don't get to stay here until that day, when I stand before my God, I will know truth. Because I'm going to say, God, the truth set me free. Does that mean I live a perfect life? No. Does that mean I live an easy life? No. But I live a life based on truth. Is anybody with me right now? Come on. See, this is where, this is the word of God. This should excite us. But we're not excited about it because we're just wondering about the truth in the culture. And I don't want to offend anybody. Listen, do you want to know why we serve here at Bridge City Church? Everybody serves for this reason. Everybody serves so that, so that we, we get all the distractions out of the way so the only thing you stumble over is Jesus. Because trust me, when you meet him, you're going to stumble. Am I, anybody else like me? 
Come on, would you stand to your feet if you're excited this morning? And if you're not, just get excited that we're going to end soon. Come on. Come on, how many of y'all heard something that was helpful today? Come on, did you hear something helpful? Come on, this truth is going to set you free. And next week is all about life. He saved me for life, life abundant. you got to come back. It's going to get better. Come on. Because I didn't get saved for a prune juice revival. Is somebody with me now? I didn't get saved for that reason. And if you're here today, I'm just going to go straight to it right now. The truth of Jesus Christ can set you free. Not your behavior, not your good works, not your good looks, not you trying harder. If it would've, that would have worked, there had been people over the last thousands of years that would have figured it out. And they figured out it doesn't work. It comes when you meet a living God and his name is Jesus who died on the cross for you because we are all sinners. We have all missed the mark. All of us, uh, all of us are condemned under that standard. But God and what Jesus Christ has done for you on the cross is the only way to the Father. Do you have a day, a moment, or time when Jesus Christ became your only way to the Father? If you don't, today could be your day in which you say, now Jesus, lead me according to your truth that's found in the Word of God. Heavenly Father, I pray for every person right now. God, I pray that the truth of Jesus Christ would would be burning in our veins, Lord God. Lord God, be the truth by which we build our lives on, by which we, by by our Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, the truth of Jesus, let let it be true in all of our lives, Lord God. So God, I pray for every person here today, God, that's, that maybe this is the first time they heard these words about truth. I pray, Father, that this is the moment where they meet you in a personal way. Not a private way, but a personal way. And if you're here today and you're saying, I, I want this truth. I want what you're saying. I want this truth to set me free. And I want to begin a relationship with God the Father based on what Jesus has done in the truth. If you've never done that before, or if you've been far away and you're saying, it's time for me to come on home, I just right now, right where you are, I just want you to lift up your hand. Just I'm going to pray for you right where you are. Just anybody at all in the house today, anybody at all, anybody, just lift up your hand right where you are. Thank you very much. Anybody at all here, anybody, anybody, don't miss the opportunity. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Anybody else? Anybody else? Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, for those that are walking from death to life. I thank you for those that are walking, Lord God, God, from darkness to to light, Lord God. I thank you for the truth to set this one free, Lord God. I pray for the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ to burn once again in their veins, Lord God, and in their arteries, God, in every part of their being, God. God, and I pray, Father, that the really God for that person, but I also pray for Bridge City Church, that we would be a church built on, Lord God, the truth, the pillar and foundation of truth, Jesus Christ. So God, thank you for this great, great environment. Lord God, may we continue in what you started. In the name of Jesus, everybody give God a great big hand. Come on, let's thank him. Thank you so much.